All right, well, it's Wednesday here in Hilton Head, South Carolina, so that means it's the day for Christians in Mental Health from Providence Church. I am Rachel Ward. And I am, of course, her sidekick, Will Ward, here for some fun commentary. <laughs> yes, so today we are going to talk about depression. And um, it's kind of a timely topic because just this past week, our national government released a new emergency telephone number similar to 911 um, when you're struggling with mental health issues, especially with depression and maybe feelings of self-harm. And that new number is 988. And that is staffed 24 hours a day. So I think it's a recognition by the government that people are struggling in these post-COVID, high inflation, um, you know, war in Ukraine uh, months that we're in. And so we wanted to kind of bring it into a Christian perspective as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about depression. So Will, what do you think about people your age? Do you think a main struggle is depression? What do you see? How do you kind of see that? So I certainly think a lot of people talk about depression and being depressed. I consider myself for a time I've never suffered from like a deep, you know, life altering depression. And I, I don't want to say I don't know what to call depression and what not to call depression, mm -hmm. but I would say that's a reoccurring issue where I sometimes wonder, is this person really depressed or are they just having a hard week? Okay, so I think that's a great topic to bring up because I think sometimes, um, we've talked about this before about like when to go to therapy was one of our previous podcasts you can look up, but the question of, um, you know, what is depression? And we'll talk about that today. And also kind of the hopeful point that there is, you're just going to have some days where you're sad, just some days where, um, you know, you're blue from hormones or you haven't gotten enough sleep. And those days are just part of being human. And, um, you know, sometimes I think we think we have to be happy all the time. But what we're going to talk about today is a kind of different ways to look at kind of true blue clinical depression. And so the, the diagnostic criteria for depression, you know, there's mild, medium, major depression. And it's a feeling for maybe two weeks or more of feeling sad, hopeless, lack of interest in things that interested you before. For adolescents, one surprising characteristics of adolescence depression is anger. You know that they're more irritable or angry. And so it's really a change in your mood and outlook that also starts to change your habits in life. Like maybe you don't go out with your friends as much or call people, maybe your eating or sleep changes. And we're looking at something maybe two weeks plus hmm where you're kind of surprised that you're feeling so low. I am surprised adolescence depression manifests as anger because I assumed that was just being an adolescent. <laughs> well, that is partly true. And maybe a better word even is irritability, right? That they just get irritable more easily. Um, they just have less resources to deal with the world. So it comes out as irritability. Um, so I'm going to break down depression into three different kinds of categories. And one is the one I think we hear the most about on television, you know, like with Cymbalta commercials and what they tend to talk about, you know, on talk shows. And that's what I would call chemical depression. And that's where your sadness or, you know, overwork or burnout or not enough sleep kicks, kicks off a chemical, you know, kind of imbalance in your brain where you get sad and medicine really helps you. And I actually think that that's one of the least common types of depression that comes into my office. It's just a pure chemical depression where you it kind of comes out of nowhere. 
Um, but the two that are much more common, one is what I call environmental depression. And so that's where something's happened in your life or you have a set of habits that are pushing you into a depressed mood. So maybe that is a you know terrible loss in your life or way too much pressure, you know, almost going towards burnout. Um, you know, maybe it is a divorce in the family. Um, maybe you're drinking too much alcohol or smoking too much marijuana and you get what's kind of environmental depression that we can look in your environment and in your decision making and see things that are pushing you towards depression. Then another depression that I see is what I would call existential depression. And that is that there are people who just look at the world and life and ask questions that are so deep and they're considering like the suffering in the world or meaning of life and they have a really hard time kind of dealing with those huge questions and so they start to get overwhelmed by them. So I think most depression really starts out as environmental and existential and then if it gets bad enough it kind of kicks off the chemical and that's where we see people who are really majorly depressed. Um, so you can be mildly depressed, moderately depressed, or major depression. So that's kind of the way to look at some causative factors that start to cause depression. Now, what's really interesting is lots of research has shown, and I can see it in my office, that certainly how you're raised can lead you more towards a, a depressive way of thinking. And here are some ways that people look at the world that tend to be almost like a cookbook recipe leading to depression. And one is what we call their attribution style. So that's like, how do you take, you know, attribute what's happening in the world? So there's two attribution styles that tend to lead towards being overwhelmed and depressed. And the first is when you attribute things that happen in the world to you, right? So like you think, this is my fault. So if your best friend's upset, you think, what did I do to upset them? If your parents are getting divorced, you think, I wish I wasn't such a bad kid and then they wouldn't have got divorced. So when you attribute or take responsibility for everything that's going on around you, that is like a cookbook recipe for getting depressed because you simply can't take responsibility or control everything that's happening to you. The second attributional style is actually the opposite. When you think there are forces outside of you completely controlling your life. Right. Like that you have no ability to change anything. So like, you know, when you say like, well, I'm just a nobody and, you know, the government just dictates my life or, you know, my ex-wife has ruined everything in my life and I can't do anything. So those two kind of attributional styles, either I'm responsible for everything and everybody or I have no control at all are two that just lead to depression. They actually did this famous old study on monkeys. Of course, they can't do this today where they put two cages of monkeys and the floor of their cage was electrified. And so the scientists could set off like an electric, like an electric current in the cage of the floor whenever they wanted. But one cage of monkeys could press a button and the electrical current would stop. So after a while, they saw the, one, the monkeys in the cage where they could stop the electrical current were doing fine. And the cage of monkeys where they did not think they had any control over the electrical current actually laid down, got sick, and some of them died <laughs> because they just believed they had no control. Now, here's the amazing thing. Well, the on and off of the electrical current was exactly the same in both cages. 
So the monkeys that did not have any control weren't actually experiencing a worse thing. They just thought they were. So how we attribute what's happening to us and control is absolutely a huge thing. Another cookbook recipe for depression in a way of thinking is what I call all or nothing thinking. So each one of us have a measuring stick in our head for how we look at life, right? Some people measure their success by their grades or by how much money they have or the job they have or their children's success. And in that measuring stick, some people only have two markers on that measuring stick, and it's perfect or failure, right? It's 100% or zero. So if you don't reach perfect, your only other option is failure, right? Remember, well, in Mary Poppins, when she pulls out the measuring stick and says, Mary Poppins. Practically perfect in every way. Yes. And so... I always say to people who have all or nothing thinking where they only have two options, perfect or failure, and of course the problem is we can never be perfect, um, is that they have to take those two measurements off and live in all the percentages in between, right? So if you have a 75% day, you're doing great. A 20% day isn't so great, but you learn a lot from it. So that's just another way that we kind of cause depression in our life. And then a really interesting teaching by again Sigmund Freud who was pretty wacky but had a few things right is he said depression is anger turned inward towards yourself so a lot of times people I think especially children and teenagers who are depressed really feel a lot of anger at something or someone that has control of their life and instead of acting out they turn it inward towards themselves and kind of shut down you know Hmm. And so those are just some ways that you can look and say, am I doing that? Am I thinking that I should control every, or should be uh, accountable for everybody's feelings around me or everybody's behavior and start to realize that we can't control other adults? Or are you thinking in an all or nothing thinking way where, which, where you're really set up to get depressed because you can just never make it? So here are some things you can do if you are struggling with depression. First, reality test. So if you're saying, I'm terrible at work, nobody likes me, I never do a good job, I always say, A, you can ask your boss to meet with you and say, how do you think I'm doing? B, you can look around and say, oh wait, do I have a job tomorrow and am I getting a paycheck? Then I must be doing well enough for this company. Right? So walk outside of the thoughts inside your head and try to reality test a little bit. Also realize that constant happiness and success is not real in life. We get moments of happiness, we're successful in some things, we're less successful in others. So when you're having bad days, that does not mean that you are failing. And sometimes look for a measurement that isn't perfect, but you say it was good enough. There's a famous old book by a pediatrician in the 1950s who wrote a book called Good Enough Mothering. And it said, a mother doesn't have to be perfect. She just has to be good enough for her children to to be safe and have some basic rules. So sometimes in life we have to say, good enough is good enough. Absolutely. Yes. And so, uh, Will, do you feel like you have any of those attribution styles, all or nothing thinking, or? I would say I'm sometimes guilty of all or nothing thinking because to peek behind the curtain you know our house has a lot of high achieving people in it so i sometimes feel like if i don't hit a certain threshold i'm not 
100% hitting the mark. But at the same time, I know that hitting that mark every time isn't what's important. It's getting the job done and making sure it's of a good quality. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I always think it's not even about high achieving. It's about are we moving forward? Right. So is it better than last time? And, and so instead of measuring things as perfect or failure, it's, hey, is this an improvement from last time? Right? Yes. And that's just a much better way to think. So if you are struggling from depression, have a feeling of just kind of flatness, heaviness, um, difficult to enjoy things, you know, there's different, of course, different tactics to take. And, you know, in our culture now for the last 40 years, we've had um, medicines that are very good at treating depression. They're called SSRIs, and they help just kind of rebalance the serotonin in your brain. And certainly if you feel like, you know, you've really been struggling for a long time, there is no shame in taking medication. You can talk to your physician and they will be very, um, they will be very comfortable and knowledgeable about antidepressant medication. So that's just one thing you should do. Secondly, we know from lots of research that regular exercise is a great treatment for depression. They actually know from a lot of research that jogging can be as effective as medication. It's just we have a very hard time getting depressed people to jog. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, hard it's when you don't feel good. Yeah, it's not exactly an easy thing. Yeah, especially right now in South Carolina, it'd be hard to start jogging because it's very, very hot. But exercise is very important. Sleep is very important, right? That you sleep enough because often depression is also tiredness, burnout, overwork. Um, how your diet is also very important. Um, community is important, so not isolating yourself. It's very common when you feel depressed to isolate yourself from other people. And, um, you know, we know that community service are all things that really benefit from depression. I mean, depression benefits from. Also, it's important. When people are depressed, they tend to either not eat or eat poorly. They tend to drink a lot more alcohol. A lot of people treat depression or anxiety with things like marijuana. The problem with all those things, poor eating, marijuana, alcohol, is they are all depressants. So they might make you feel good for a moment, but long term, they're actually going to increase the biochemical cycle of depression. Hmm. I think one thing that's really important as well is what you're filling your brain with. You know, are you get off the Internet, get off the news, get off social media if it makes you upset. If you're going to watch something, do something that elevates your heart. You know, do community service, read things, be out in nature, garden, go to the ocean, you know, or go to a park. You know, the Bible has this beautiful passage that says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about such things. That's Philippians 4.8. And that may be the best um, antidote to work on depression is to fill your mind with really lovely, holy, good things. Absolutely. So, you know, Will, I think it's interesting. Um, I think depression is less common in our society than anxiety. I would agree with that. Um, and I think that all of us as Christians have to be really open to listening to people who struggle with depression to hear their specific story and not see it as a weakness, but as a something that happens to many people and has lots of causes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so thank you so much for joining us. 
Um, we're keeping this podcast through the summer. We're open to your questions and ideas. And Will will tell you where to send those. Yes. If you would like to send us any ideas, email them to me at will at providencehhi.org. If you'd like to join us in person, it's 830 and 1030 at 171 Cordillo Parkway every Sunday morning. Uh, or join us on our live stream. Link will be in the description. Find us on all the social media at Providence HHI. And find our website at ProvidenceHHI.org if you have any other questions. And have a great day.